everybody, come on in. It's good to have you tonight. Come on in, grab a seat. Time for church. Wonderful Wednesday to be with all of you. Live streamers, I know we're getting live stream going in just a second. It's good to have you. Uh, some quick announcements real fast before we get moving uh, into our time together tonight. First off, Youth Hangout is tonight right after worship. Amanda, right there, follow her and Eric's got it tonight. Also, uh, the Basic Discipleship Small Group with Judah is happening after worship tonight, okay? So those two things are happening. Um, and don't forget, mark your calendars. Look for these dates. Our vacation Bible school is the end of June, and our summer youth camp, 5th and 12th grade, is in July. So big things coming up for them. But having said that, turn to your neighbor and say, you look spectacularly good tonight. Let them know. Spectacularly good. All right?
there's someone here who says, well, the Lord hasn't been good to me. He's forgotten me and I'm going through a battle and I'm alone. Why do we have to go through hard things? The Bible would not have been as interesting and as alive as it is if there weren't people struggling and giants that needed fallen. Whatever your battle is, he has not left you. And he's going to use these stories, these victories of you defeating your giants, of you seeing your walls fall down for you to be able to tell your kids about for you to be able to minister to other people about. It's not for nothing. I know I want to serve under a, a, a God who can do big things. And if there aren't things in our life that need help, how are we going to serve a God who does big things? A God who is going to see us through, a God who's going to be with us when we face things that are hard. So even if your life has been a mess until now, or you're going through something real hard, We've all been there, and Jesus is with you 100% of the time. He never will leave you. He never will forsake you. What a mighty God that we serve, that angels bow before him, that he gets us away from giants that we put ourselves in front of. that he'll give us water when we put ourselves in a desert. And I'm, I'm just gonna pray over you right now. Lord, I pray that whatever valleys people are in, whatever deserts people are in, whatever giants people are facing right now, God, that these will be victories, Lord, that, are, that they are so powerful, Lord, that you will use them to gain victory over the enemy in other people's lives, Father that people will overcome by the word of our testimony, God. Lord, I pray that you would make us strong, knowing that it doesn't matter if we face a 10-foot giant. Our God is the God who parts the sea. Our God is the God who can make it rain and rain and rain and then populate the earth again. Our God is a God who can get people out of slavery who've been there for years, who can break bondages that no man can break, who can open up doors that no man can open. Our God is the God who will put us in a fire and be with us and will come out better. Oh, let us stand firm knowing that whatever is happening, God is God. He has our victory. He holds our victory. You are good, Lord. We love you, Father. No matter what we're going through, God, we give you praise. We can't help but give you praise. And I cannot help but give you praise. When I remember who you are, I cannot help but give you thanks. When I remember what you've done, I can. 
When I remember who you are, I cannot help but give you thanks. When I remember what you've done. Express 
this way we go You were there, you were love, you were all together
you haven't forgotten or forsaken us, Lord. Amen. Well, hi, everybody. Like, like the, the youth in the small group left, half everybody left. It's all right. I'm glad you're here, though. Uh, don't forget, uh, Sycamore House fundraiser is coming to a close pretty soon, so if you haven't picked up a baby bottle, fill it with change and bright black. Back, please uh, do so soon. Okay, we'll be looking for these and blessing the Sycamore House with that. But how about we bless the house at this time with your tithing offering. If you have something to give, you can get it uh, in envelopes and in, in, uh, prepared in the seats in front of you. If not, wave your hand around, and one of the ushers will help you out. But it's good to have you tonight. And uh, how many of y'all are blessed? Let me see. Who's blessed? Come on now. Are, are you saved? You're blessed? How about we start there? If you're saved, you have the favor of God. That's... Blessing is, is connected to the favor of God. Um, you're saved, you're blessed, but then the life with God is a blessed life because the favor of God is with you. And it shows up in a lot of different ways, but uh, the provision of God is a blessing of God, and uh, we honor him with our worship uh, because he has blessed us. And how many of you can recount the stories of the increase of God in your life when there seemed to be no way and, and all of a sudden God makes the way. Amen. So we give tonight. That's just a response to situations of life that are just like that. So let me pray. If you have something, you can bring it down. Lord Jesus, we thank you to be in your house, to worship, uh, to be together on this wonderful Wednesday night. I pray your blessing is upon us. But Lord, as we give tonight, we're simply honoring you. 
the, the holy tithe that is yours is, is coming into the house, and we thank you for that. And we praise you that the stewardship of the house is honoring you also. And there are things that we do uh, with what comes in, Lord, is just kingdom work and building the kingdom. We thank you for an opportunity to participate in that. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. All right, so if you have it, you can bring it. Um, if you don't have it, you have your Bible, you can open that up. Psalm 142. The book of Psalm, one of the 150 Psalms that we have, uh, Psalm 142. And as I, as I do encourage you to be a, a person, a part of your scripture reading, rhythm of life is to conclude a psalm of a day. And Psalm 142 is a psalm that uh, was just, it was like the 142nd day of the year just within the last two or three days. So when I read that psalm on that day, uh, it just kind of grabbed my heart. So that's why we're here tonight. So we just finished up our series on relationships last week. We'll pick something up next week. And a lot of times, as you know, if you've noticed, in between series, sometimes we'll jump in on psalm, kind of a bumper in between series that we do. And I like to do that, uh, to bring the psalms uh, to the forefront in our teaching here at the church. So Psalm 142, uh, I, I want to read it, and then we're going to talk about it, but then we're actually going to end up in the book of Job tonight. All right, so Psalm 142, a psalm of David. He says, with my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. Now watch this in, in verse 2. I pour out my complaint before him, and I tell my trouble before him. Do you have a complaint tonight? It's okay. Have you, have you ever been to a restaurant and you had a complaint about the service or a complaint about the food? And you, and you just wanted to send the food back or you, you were thinking about not tipping so great because of the service. So I, I was out to eat with some guys uh, a little while ago, a couple months ago, a month and a half ago. And we all got our food and we're, we're eating. It was, a, it was a barbecue joint and we're getting ready to eat. And, and I had burnt uh, rib tips in front of me. I, had some, I was ready to eat. And the guy sitting across from me, Jake, started to eat all of a sudden. He kind of pulled back, went, hey, and went like this and pulled a big hair off his plate. Ever happened to you? Jake had a complaint. <laughs> and they were good. He said, hey, and they, they took his plate. And it's amazing how long it takes you to get your food in the first place, but then when you do something like that, how fast they get you a new one. You ever notice that? Yeah, anyway, so he got his food back real quick. Sometimes things happen in life, we have a complaint. See, David is writing here and he says, I pour out my complaint before him. I, I give my complaint or I tell my trouble before him. How many of you right now, you don't have to raise your hand, but you have a complaint. You're not happy about the service you're getting in life. You don't like the way you're being served or the food, you're not happy about it. How many know what I'm talking about? Now, if you have a complaint, you know what? You're living life. If I was really honest, 
there are some things that I would, I would bring before the Lord and say, I have a frustration here. I don't understand this. This, this is not fair. I could, I could think of some complaints. But the fact of the matter is that, that when you are living life, you'll end up with situations like that. You'll have some complaints. And, and what the psalmist is teaching us, and I know we talked about this before, but let me remind you again tonight. The psalmist is telling us, you are allowed to take your complaints to God. David's doing it right here. I have a complaint. I'm bringing my issue. I'm crying out to him. And again, what we love about the Psalms is how real and how emotional and how raw they are. We see people in real life situations and the response to God. And David is pouring out a complaint to God. And watch what he says, verse 3. My spirit faints within me. You know my way. And in the path where I walk, they, enemies, have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see. And, and here, here's sometimes the way we feel when we find ourselves in, in seasons of complaint, unrest in our life. There is none who take notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. Did you hear Samara during worship when she said she felt there was somebody here tonight and it's like God's forgotten about you, not paying attention to you. Remember when she was saying that? Yeah, she's already connecting in on my message a little bit. We often can feel in these, these times of frustrations and, and uh, times when it seems like things aren't fair that we're, we're alone. And not only do we feel that way relationally, but then, then we certainly feel... Hey, God, where are you? I have a complaint. What's the deal here? This isn't right. Not fair. But notice what David goes on to say. This is really important. It says, I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison, that I may give thanks to your name. Then the righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountiful with me. So David does something that's very important here, is that in the midst of a complaint season, and he feels like he's alone, he still does the right thing. He still cries out to God. Because the best place to take your complaint is to him. Not right. So, so uh, you know, I, I'm not a big, uh, how would you say it, Margo? I'm not a big complainer. Like, if we go to a restaurant and the service isn't that great, or the food, I'm not generally going to say much about it. That's why she's in my life. Because she will. But sometimes there's a complaint big enough, the server can't help you and the cook can't help you. You've got to go to the manager. How many of you know what I'm talking about? 
God is the manager of the whole entire deal. So why not go straight to him and take your complaint to him because he is the only one that ultimately you will find your refuge in. Now, having said that, I want you to go to the book of Job, chapter number three, and Job is, is right before the psalm. Job chapter three, and I'm not going to do service to the book of Job tonight, so maybe sometime we'll come back and, and do a better, uh, have a better look at the book of Job. But I, I think many of you may be familiar with the book of Job. Job was a righteous man. The enemy finds presence with God and, and uh, kind of in a test of, of the goodness of God and, and people's response to God that only people are righteous when things are going good, but if things are going bad, they won't be so righteous and will forsake God. Uh, and God allows Job to be put to the test to test this. And you guys know the story. Job loses all his sons and daughters. They're all killed, right? Job loses all his livestock along with his servants. They're killed. Then Job himself is inflicted with, with boils and so much so that he would take, as the Bible says, broken pieces of pottery to scrape himself. He lost his family, lost his money, and now he's physically in trouble. Well, he still has his wife. Take that for what you will. Um, but Job finds himself, listen, Job is righteous. He didn't do anything to deserve what happened to him. Job has a complaint. If, if, there's a, if there's any character that we find in the Bible that legitimately has a complaint outside of Jesus himself who was crucified, though he was not in blame, it's Job. Righteous, and he loses everything simply to test his faithfulness. Think about that. As a matter of fact, Job chapter 3, here's what Job has to say about it. Now I would encourage you to go back and read it. It's 30-some chapters. But after this, Job opens his mouth, Job chapter 3 and verse number 1, and he cursed the day of his birth. And Job said, Let the day perish on which I was born, and the night that said a man is conceived. Let that day be darkness. May God not seek it, nor light shine upon it. Let gloom and deep darkness claim it. Let clouds dwell upon it. Let blackness of the day terrify it. That night, let the thick darkness seize it. Let it not rejoice among the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the month. Behold, let that night be barren. Let no joyful cry enter it. Let those who curse it curse the day and who are ready to rouse up the Leviathan. Let the stars of its dawn be, be dark. Let it hope for light but have none. 
nor see the eyelids of the morning, because it did not shut the doors of my mother's tomb, nor hide trouble from my eyes. And, and he goes on pretty much saying, my life is so bad right now, I wish I was never born. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that kind of complaint about what's happening to you? I can't imagine. And the rest of the book of Job is Job struggling and dealing with his situation. Now, he has some friends that show up and try to give him counsel. Those guys didn't do a great job. Because pretty much what they were, in, in a nutshell, what they were trying to say is, look, you say you're righteous, but this stuff doesn't happen to righteous people, so maybe you ought to examine yourself. And Job keeps saying, I, I don't, I'm blameless. And, and, and they, they argue about it, and he's not buying it. Uh, so he wasn't getting good counsel from his friends. Job's in, in, in a, he's stuck in a life that he now wish he did not have. Now, in your complaint, again, like the psalmist writes, and Job does also, give it and say it and be honest. Because God knows what's stirring in your heart anyhow. You might as well verbalize it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Why hold back something from God he already knows? Because it's more therapeutic to you to say it than, than hide with something he already knows anyways. Be honest, say, God, this is not fair. God, this isn't right. Where are you in this whole business? That's your complaint. Now, what I'm about to tell you, I'm gonna, in, this, in this moment right here, if you have a complaint today, this is not going to help you. But if you let this stir your spirit long enough, it will. Because ultimately, God never answers Job in the way Job wants. You know, you know, he easily could have shown up and said, and taken Job in a vision and showed him what happened, why these things, he could have showed him the enemy in, in the presence of God, and then Job probably could, at the end of the day, went, oh, man, out of the whole earth, I was a test case. And then there was some pride there, maybe. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's still terrible, but maybe, maybe he would have found a little bit of a silver lining somewhere in what had happened to him. But God doesn't do that. He doesn't answer him according to his issue. And again, you're going to have to read this whole thing, but let me give you a snippet of what God does do. Job chapter 38. And, and this is right after, again, his friend saying some things to him, and, and finally, finally God's done with that whole business. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens my counsel without knowledge. Watch what he says to him. 
dress for action like a man because I'm going to question you. Can you hear that? Job, get yourself prepped because you've been asking and saying all this stuff. Now, here, I'm going to talk to you, and you better be ready like a man. That's what God's saying to Job. We're, we're going to do a series. Uh, we're going to do a series maybe sometime this summer on Sundays. We often ask God questions. We're going to go through and look at the questions that God asks us in the Bible. Anyways. Verse number four. Hey, Job, where were you when I, God, laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have any understanding. Who determined its measurement? Surely you know. Or who stretched out the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst open from the womb? When I, God, made the clouds its garment and the thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set the bars and doors and said, thus far shall you come and no further and here shall your, your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place that might take hold of the skirts of the earth and, and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the seal and its features stand like a garment. For the wicked, their light is withheld and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked on the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all this. And it goes on. God is basically looking back at Job and saying, okay, you and all your wisdom, tell me how much you know. To the point of if you jump to, to chapter 40, And it, this keeps on going, by the way. He says so many things to Job. Psalm, uh, Job, I'm sorry, Job chapter 40, verse number one says, And the Lord said to Job, Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. Okay. Ultimately, when we have a complaint, the best thing you do is do what the psalmist David did and do what Job ultimately does, is you give your complaint to God. And regardless of whether or not you feel your complaint is resolved, you always have to step back and see the big picture of who God is and who you are. And if you ever lose that perspective, then you ultimately feel like you can put him on trial because of your complaints. You can give your complaint to God, but you may not put him on trial for it. 
Were you there when he created what he made? Were you there when he made things like he made it? And, and, and it goes on. Who are you in the creator-creation relationship? Ultimately, to believe in God and to live life for him is a submission beyond your understanding. And that can be hard. See, this is why the world looks at a Christian and thinks you're foolish. Not only you're foolish because of what you believe and, and the whole basis of salvation, a, a man, supposedly son of God, dies on a cross, okay, and he raises from the dead. Really? Okay, they think it's foolishness. But when you really start getting into specifics of the Christian faith, they will ask you, then why is your life not perfect? Why is there evil? Why are things breaking down in your life? Where is God when all this is happening? And ultimately, you're going to come to a place where you can't answer anything. You can't give a respected answer to those questions. Because ultimately, following God would, in one sense, be a submission beyond your understanding. And it shows up mostly in the areas you have complaints. Okay, so, I'm not a scientist, obviously, but I know tomorrow morning the sun is going to come up, whether or not I see it. If it's cloudy, I, I won't necessarily see the sun, but I know it's there. I know scientifically you can explain it. I know you can, but I'm not a scientist and I can't. That is something I don't ultimately understand, but I don't really have a complaint about it. I think it's good. Unless it's 100 degrees out there. I'm like, hey, can we get the fall? That's my complaint. But ultimately, that's nothing in the big picture of things, right? But where this shows up is in something you don't understand where you have a complaint. That makes sense. And at some point, because we are not going to have these answers to everything that we want answers to, at least now and in the moment, you have to submit to a place beyond your understanding to know he is God, I am not. Somehow, in his wisdom, his understanding, which is well beyond my own. Okay, so look. What we know about God and what we know about how things work, we know because that's what he has chosen to reveal to us. But don't think everything's been revealed. That makes sense. There are things that are well beyond the realm of our understanding. So what we know is what has been revealed. And what we cannot explain that's when we then live by faith. Because remember, this whole business of Job was, is he going to remain righteous even after everything's been taken from him that he would consider the goodness of God? And it ultimately comes down to the question, and for us, when we have a complaint that we can't understand and it's not fair, will we remain faithful beyond that 
Or will that complaint ultimately cause us to lose faith? See what I'm getting at. That is big picture life of faith. Now again, that does not minimize in any way the complaint that you have. Job lost his kids. Now, the end of the story, you know everything was multiplied back to him, and he had more kids, you know that, and his wealth was restored, right? Listen, having more kids does not replace the kids that you lost. You just had more kids. And you're going to love them just like the first ones, but it doesn't replace it, right? The wealth is replaced. Oh, great. That's great. Servants, okay. Not, to, not let your kids, but yes, that, that's not the same thing as money. So there was a blessing and a replacement, but it didn't fully replace so even in the blessing of God at the end, it didn't take away, ultimately, the original complaints. Will we live in submission beyond our understanding? Because here, here's one thing I learned as a pastor. So I'm telling you, people over the years have come with some hard questions. One of the biggest pieces of advice I give to guys or gals that are getting into the ministry and want to be a part of helping shepherd a flock of people, they're going to get questions. And one of the biggest pieces of advice I give is, it's okay to say, I don't know. As a matter of fact, I'm always wary if somebody says they always have an answer. That, that always worries me. There have been times in, in being a pastor if somebody's come with something and I have to say, I don't know. What I do know is he's still God. And ultimately, he's going to work things for our good. And whether or not I understand what's happening here, I, listen, I trust him. That in his wisdom and his understanding, which is well beyond mine. Things are going to be as he will. And will we live in that kind of submission? There is, a place, there is a place of growth into maturity that ultimately will begin to see things that way. That, again, I have some things that I would literally bring before him and say, I don't get this. And I've been preaching from the Bible for almost 30 years. And I don't get this. I don't understand this. Why did this happen but not this? Why did that righteous person suffer while that sinner lived a long, good life? Why is that believer in poverty when this sinner over here has got the wealth and the riches coming out their ears? I don't understand. I mean, what I'm talking about. And those are the moments where you step back and go, but God, who the scriptures testify to be faithful and just, will prove himself faithful and just. Now, at the moment that he returns, and 
there's, I, I believe there's going to be a certain way of unveiling understanding more than we have now. How full, I don't know. It's not really clear if we're going to be learning for the rest of eternity or, or, or a lot of big light bulbs come off. We don't know. But I do know at some point some things will make better sense than they do at times now. So do you trust that those moments will come? See what I'm saying? Do you trust that? And do you trust then, and this is the big thing, do you trust then that all of the moments that we would have a complaint, especially the ones that, that were very hurtful, that these times of hurt in life are really even more preparing us for the fullness of joy to come. Now, I know I've shared this before, and, uh, and, and I, I, I do this when it, whenever I officiate a funeral. It's one thing to officiate a funeral for, for somebody who's 80, 90 years old and lived a full life. It's another thing for somebody that has passed away long before their, their old age. Those aren't easy. And I always say this, you know, mourning, in essence, is a protest. Because every time you mourn, you're reacting to something, you're saying, this isn't right. This should not have happened. Right? You're, re you're reacting to a hurt, a loss. But those times like that, ultimately, they begin to carve deeper caverns within our soul that when the fullness of joy comes, you have a greater capacity to receive it. Because I don't understand why I protest, I mourn, but yet I do know that God is going to make it right. That's why I step back into a bigger picture. You see? Because he, at some point, is going to deal with my complaint if I stay faithful. And whether it's here or the life to come, it's going to get dealt with. And I, I think, I, I'm hoping, I think, I believe so, that, that in the moments where he returns or, or maybe, maybe, maybe God you know, there, there's some things that, that he begins to deal with this while he's, we're still here before he returns, that you're going to have these moments where you go, oh, okay. I see a little better now, a little bit. Okay. Lord, forgive me <laughs> for trying to put you on trial for this as if I can say to you, you're really not who you say you are because this at this moment didn't go this way. You see what I'm getting at? That we learn the patience and maturity of the working of the kingdom of God, both now and not yet. And if you're, and if you're, in a spot like Job, you're just like, I didn't do anything. I'm just here. 
Not only am I just here, but man, I've been doing this righteously. I have. I don't deserve this. And you know what God's saying? I know. I know. Hold on. Hold on. Hang on. Stay in faith. There's things going on you don't see. Things going on you don't understand. Hold on. Hold on. See? That is why the psalmist and Job have it right, because no matter what, we keep crying out. We keep saying, but, but I don't know, but that, but I do know you're still my refuge, and I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give up on this. You're my refuge. See? That is the best I can do for you when life isn't fair. The best I can do. That you stay in faith. You keep going. And let the God who is who he says he is, in the wisdom that he has, do what he is going to do, and he will do it. Amen? You believe that? And remember that next time you have a complaint. Listen, I'll be honest with you. There have been times where I've literally raised my voice at the ceiling, yelling. I'm, I'm being honest with you. I, I can get pretty straight out when I'm praying. And that's not a prideful thing, but there's times I'm just so frustrated. I'm literally looking at the ceiling like, why? Where are you? I'm serious. It's just emotional. I have a complaint. Frustrated. God hears me. And it's always, I always, when I'm done, I always feel like he's patting me saying, son. You know what I mean? Listen to me. And you know how many times he gave me a direct answer? In those kind of moments, not a lot. Sometimes I, I've, I've felt like I received, but a lot of times it's, the answer is, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Somebody asked me a question I can't answer. I said, I don't know, but let's keep going. I'll help you. Then, then when I have it, you can help me. And we're just going to keep doing this. We believe in a God who's going to finish the work that he started. Amen? But there's going to be the fullness of joy. You know that? Jesus, when he was resurrected, now remember, he had the full resurrected eternal body. He still had this, the scars so Thomas could touch the scar where his, the nails were in his hand and put his hand in his side. He still had it. But something was changed. And I think in the, in the newness of, of all things, we will have an understanding of the hurts and pains of life, but with the fullness of joy, a brand new perspective 
on what has happened. That's part of our great hope. It's part of our great hope. Amen? And I, I believe so strongly in that. If, if I didn't believe in that, I would quit doing what I do. I'll be 100% honest with you. If I didn't believe in what we consider the great hope in, in the return of Jesus and the resurrection of the dead and all things being made new, I would not do what I do. It's too hard. Because there's a lot of, I don't know. Amen? So, what do you, what do, you do? My left foot in front of my right. My right foot in front of my left. And Paul writes, I keep pressing on. Amen? So, if you got a complaint, complain. Complain tomorrow. Complain the next day. Take it to them. And you'll get it out of your system in, in, in a certain way. And you'll let him have it. Then you'll let him be God. Amen? Lord, I thank you. I thank you that we can complain. You don't get angry and, and, and shove us off because, because we have things that go beyond our understanding. I pray that you help us, encourage us, strengthen us. And in the, in the areas you can give us an answer, do so, please. For the things that we've been praying about so long, yes, we, we believe that you will intervene here and now. Yes, amen. But regardless, that we never give up. And at times that the conviction of the Holy Spirit needs to, to spark us a little bit to keep, I pray it sparks us. But Lord, that we never lose sight of that you are the creator. And our wisdom and power are yours. And that you will do ultimately what you said you will do. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, be blessed. Be blessed, be blessed. Sunday, bring somebody out. I know it's Memorial Day weekend. I know we have people traveling. We still have church. Don't forget. Eat your hot dogs after church. All right, 10 a.m. Sunday morning. Come on out. Bring somebody with you. Have a great end of the week.